I just want to say a welcome to you if you're joining us for the first time this morning. We're so glad that you're here. We have a lot of prayer that goes into our service and just preparing. Uh, we, just, we don't just show up here and set up all this stuff and have a little church service just so we can all feel good at ourselves, about ourselves. I mean, we're excited that God is in the room and that God wants to do something, and we're looking forward to that. And because of that, I just want to tell you, it is a great time. I mean, if this is your first time here this morning, you picked an amazing Sunday to come because I don't know if you know this or not, but we started a new year recently, right? Is anybody unfamiliar with the fact that it's 2014? Okay, good. But not just on our calendar, right, like we all do, but as a church, as a church, every year, come the, the new year, we turn over into a new season. Uh, and this year, uh, we're calling it Roots and Renewal. And here's what we're doing. We're setting aside 12 months together as a church in all four campuses, Lutheran Church of Hope, but individually as well. And we're trying to figure out, and we're going to study and explore this idea. I mean, what does it mean to go all in with God? What does that look like? And why would we do that? And how does that happen? And, and what is it that we need to know? And what do we need to hear? And what do we need to experience for that to take place? And that's kind of where we're headed. And, and to kick it off, we're going to do it right. We're going to start with a kind of introductory, you know, just starting with the basics, right? And so we're doing God's Big Ten, which is a sermon series on God's Ten Commandments. Now, the Big Ten has 12 teams now. So we thought, hey, if we're going to do Ten Commandments, let's just do it in nine weeks, you know? Why not? Why not? It doesn't matter how many weeks we take to go through it, right? What matters, though, is this. In studying the Ten Commandments and getting a chance to walk through God's Word, we're going to get a chance to put our roots down into the soil of the wisdom that God has for us. When we study the Ten Commandments, we don't just learn some nice stuff, right? But the first three commandments, we get to understand our relationship with God and the other seven, all about what does it mean to be in community together. I mean, if we're going to exist as human beings, if we're going to live this life that God has for us, then there are probably some rules, some ground rules or some guidelines we need to follow, and that's what we are exploring. And last week, we got a taste of that introductory. First things first, right? Worship God, nothing else. Don't let any distractions come in the way because as human beings, we're naturally wired just to worship a whole bunch of things. And God says, no, leave those other things there, right? That space in your heart for worshiping things, that's meant for me. And today we're going to jump right into the next one, uh, the second commandment, advice on how to use God's name. And that's where we're going to begin. It was Shakespeare who asked the question, right? Maybe you've heard this question before. Maybe you've thought about it. Maybe you're romantic and you just love Shakespeare. Some of you are really excited about this, right? It was Shakespeare who asked this question. What is in a name? Maybe you're swooning. Maybe you love Romeo and Juliet. Maybe you understand what he's getting at, right? And, and he's talking about this idea that names, right, they're, they're, they're important, but they're not everything. And he says, uh, he goes on to say, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. And I agree, right? Whatever you call a rose, it smells the same. But, but I got to tell Shakespeare, and I, I'm sorry to disappoint all the Shakespeare fans out there. I think he might have gotten this one a little wrong, though, when it comes to understanding names, right? If I could have a, a conversation with Dr., I'm assuming he's Dr. Shakespeare, right? If you have the kind of impact he's had, he's probably, he's probably uh, well-credentialed. I would want to let him know this. There is a lot that is in a name, Right? He said, what's in a name? And I would say, hey, buddy, there is a lot in a name. Names are a big deal. I mean, just ask this guy. All right? Right? Look at this. First name, Jed. Last name, Knight. Guess what his middle initial is. Right? You can tell what kind of parents this guy has, at least the movies that they watched, right? I mean, this guy goes through life known as Jedi Knight. 
I don't know if I would ever have the courage to do that. Maybe I don't love Star Wars quite that much. Uh, but isn't that interesting? You can't tell me this kid isn't going to either suffer or really enjoy the rest of his life, <laughs> right? Because his parents made that decision. There is a lot in a name. They make a difference. And any of you that have kids, that have, have offspring that you've ever tried to name, I mean, even pets, right? It can be really, really hard. And I learned this firsthand with my oldest. I'm still not good at it. And we're expecting our fourth in July. I announced that last week, if you didn't hear that. Uh, And I'm terrified because we are not good at naming kids. I love everything we come up with, right? But the process of getting there is really hard. In fact, with our oldest, Gwyneth, she's five now. I still don't have the heart to tell her. We didn't pick her name until 48 hours we'd been in the hospital. Like they're they're starting to look at us like, hey, you're going to leave, right? We're like, I don't have a name. We had it narrowed down to you, but we just couldn't decide, right? And as we're driving home, I'm starting to think about this. We eventually asked the nurse, like, here are two. What do you think, right? <laughs> desperate times, desperate measures. And she goes, well, I've seen that one a thousand times the last six months. Pick this one. And it was the one that I wanted. So I was like, yes, right? Uh, and so we landed on Gwyneth. But as we're driving home, I'm just asking my wife this question, right? Most parents are like, oh, let's get there safely. We have a new person in the back seat, right? I'm like, why are we so bad at naming our kids, right? Why is this so hard? And here's, here's a couple thoughts that we had. One is, all right, seriously, what goes with Hermanson, right? It's kind of a complex name. You can't, you, not everything goes with it, right? But maybe it's the fact too. We discussed this idea. We've worked in multiple churches. We've worked in multiple summer camps. We've met a lot of kids and a lot of people. And some of you know this, right? There are two kinds of people in the world. There are the kind of people that you meet that they really affirm the name and don't ruin it for you, right? You really would love to name your kids because these people are so amazing. And then on the other hand, there are the people that make you say, oh, we're never using that name. You can chuck that one out the window, right? That was us. We'd met all of these kids that had either gone one way or the other, right? But there was more to it than that. I mean, we wanted it to mean something, right? We wanted to find a name that fits. And I'm firmly convinced now that you can't name a kid without looking at it. I don't know. There's just something about getting to know him or her and seeing if the name fits. And I I think that's interesting. That's, That's just me. But It's been an interesting journey, and here's the thing. At the end of the day, I just would love to pick a name that my kids don't think about 20 years from now and come to me and say, what were you thinking, right? (laughs) Because there's so much in a name, so much in a name, and names are a big deal. And if you understand this, you see it all over the pages of Scripture. I mean, did you know that historically, giving someone a name just because it sounds good is kind of a new thing? Historically, names were given based on the character of the person that they wanted developed. Check this out. Look at the names in some of the biblical characters, right? Names didn't just sound good in biblical times, but they meant something. They defined the character or pointed to the character of the individual. Your name said everything about you. That's why when, when God comes to a man named Abram and decides to give him a promise to bless him, to multiply his descendants so they're as numerous as the stars in the sky, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you into a new nation. You will be blessed to be a blessing to others. His name changes. No longer meaning exalted father, that is Abram. It now shifts to Abraham, which means father of many. And and Jesus, as he's working with his disciples, he eventually changed Peter's name to Peter because it means the rock. And although he's been frustrated, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, Peter has totally stressed Jesus out at different points in their time together, Right? He has this moment where he says, I believe in you, Peter. And how does he show it? He changes his name to the rock, saying, you are this foundation 
I believe in you. I want to build this movement that I'm starting. It's built on you. And he changes his name. Isn't it interesting that Joshua, the name Joshua, the one, the, the one that would finally step up and be faithful enough to lead God's people into the promised land, right? That name Joshua, salvation of the Lord. And isn't it even more interesting that the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, comes from that very same root, Yeshua, right? It sounds a lot like Joshua means salvation of the Lord, now, there must be something to this. My name is Andy. Uh, if you understand that in the Hebrew, it means uh, manly. So I feel like I've got that covered, right? My wife would agree. She wishes I uh, were a little more baby-faced from time to time. I just say, hey, somebody's got to live up to the name, right? Right? It's all part of the deal. And I joke about that, but we point out these examples because it's true. There is so much in the name. So I know that you're a fan of Shakespeare, but I think he got it wrong in Romeo and Juliet, it's the same reason why when Moses is shaking in his sandals, because God has just given him a God-sized task to do, to go to Egypt and to somehow talk Pharaoh into letting all of these slaves, all of his free help leave, he begins to turn the conversation towards God's name. And we're going to jump in and look at that. Now, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to grab those. Interactive experience. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 3. Look at page 45 because there's a lot in the name and there's some reason why Moses keeps going to God's name as he's talking to him. And as you're turning there, I just want to set the stage for you. I think a lot of, a lot of Moses, Moses is a lot like a lot of us. I'll say that again. Moses is a lot like a lot of us in that God comes to Moses and says, here's, here's what I have for you. Here's the adventure that I want you to go on, right? And we are freaked out, right? Oh, go lead this small group. Here, go talk to this new person. Pray for your neighbors, right? Whatever it is, sometimes we also fall in this trap just as Moses is being a reluctant leader and yet God does some amazing things through him and one of the ways that he even gets Moses into them, into this is that he begins to share with him resources and things that are going to help with him help him do this, and part of that is his name. So chapter 3, verse 13, Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? Reading between lines, Moses is saying, hey, I can't even, I don't even know who you are. Why would I go do this, right? What am I supposed to say? Give me an answer, right? And not only is he looking, maybe trying to test out the excuse to see if he can get out of this, but he also wants to know, like, if I'm going to do this, where does the power come from? Where does the authority, on, on whose understanding, where, where does my street cred come in doing this? And so God replies in verse 14, he says, I am who I am. I don't, I feel like that's not even a name, right? I am who I am, Right? That's like naming yourself the situation or something like that, right? It's kind of interesting. And it's, you have to dig into it to really grasp and to understand. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also says to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you and in he puts a bow on it. He says, this is my eternal name. My name to remember for all generations. In this moment, this interaction with Jesus, or with Moses, Moses comes, sees a burning bush, and is like, hey, burning bush, you don't see that every day, right? And he has this conversation with God, and this, this is the result. 
it tells us a lot about God. It tells us about his heart. It tells us about his name. It tells us about who he is. But it also tells us that human beings can interact with the holy and righteous God of the universe and live to tell about it. It's this amazing experience. God is the great I am. And, and here's the thing. If you have a conversation like this, if you run into God like this, this close, this up close and personal, then you're going to be different. And I'm sure Moses was never the same. And so because this experience was this intense, I'm, I'm pretty sure when you run into a situation like this, most of us naturally do what, what we probably think we should do. And that is when you're interacting with a holy and righteous God of the universe, what do you do? You show some respect. And we'll talk about that in a minute, but, but it turns out that this didn't just end with Moses, this showing respect, right? But it carried on to Hebrew tradition, Hebrew culture. Did you know that the Hebrew culture believed God's name was so special, so powerful, so holy that they never spoke it out loud? They believed there was no way they could do it justice even speaking it out loud. That's how much it meant to them. Right? Oftentimes, scribes, they're writing along, they're recording. Why well, I have a pen and paper in my hand. They're probably using chisels, right? I don't know. They're, they're recording, they're using their tools to write things, and it would come time where they would write God's name, and they would stop. They'd put all of their stuff down. They would go ceremonially cleanse themselves and then come back. And even when they wrote it, though, it was never God's full name. Right? Orthodox Jews to this day, when they write God's name, they don't write G-O-D. They write G space D. Why? Because it's holy. Because it means something to them. And if I had to come up with a word to describe it, I wouldn't just say that it's holy. I would say there's a reverent fear of God's name. They understand what they're working with. They understand who they're talking to. And so they put respect. And they, they, they put respect where respect is deserved. In fact, God's presence is such that it commands this respect. It commands our attention. And so... So we do that, or at least we should. But the truth is, when we look around our culture today, I mean, we don't have a, it seems like everywhere we turn, things that used to be highly respected are becoming more and more informal. They're less and less respected. It's less and less professional. There's less reverence to it. Even earlier today, I set my cup of water here on this altar, and somebody, nobody's confessed to me yet, right? But somebody took my cup of water off the altar and put it down here, which I thought was a great illustration. What was I thinking, right? I mean, in one sense, you could say that's a plastic card table with a tablecloth and some candles and a book on it. And yet, on the other hand, it's a symbol of the power of God's name. And so we have this battle, where this tension we're caught in between, where we have this holy God on one side who we are to fear and love, and on the other hand, he loves us and pursues us, and the culture is caught in the same tension, where we begin to let things lose their value. They begin to drift away from us and God's name is no exception. I mean, sometimes we end up just treating it like any other word. Even Christians joke about these things. I just read something this week. It was a pastor talking about, he saw somebody across church lobby and he joked. He said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, come over here. And then he was like, wait, what did I just say? Right? That's a Christian joke. Like, it's kind of corny. Uh, But also, if you think about it, could be considered a slap in the face towards the God of the universe. And so that's one end of the spectrum where we become almost too comfortable with God's name. We don't understand what we're dealing with. And yet on the other side of the spectrum is just the total recklessness, right? The part where there's no value given. It's, it's not understood and people do whatever they want with it. 
And as I, I have a video clip I want to show you here, and as you watch this, think about where are you at on that spectrum? Are you the kind of person who's too comfortable with God's name sitting here this morning? Or are you the kind of person that maybe is just a little too reckless? You just kind of throw it around. You don't, you don't really understand what you're dealing with. Let's take a look. Oh my God. I can't believe it. I had the worst night's sleep ever last night. What? Why? My neighbor's kid, they got this drum set. And apparently he wants to play it until 4 a.m. every night. I'm like, God, kid, go to bed, please. Oh, my Larry, I know what you mean. My nephew has a drum set, too. He does the same thing. God, it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> my Larry, it is so unbelievable. Every wow. time he pulls that thing out, I'm like, oh, my Larry, oh, my Larry, wow. oh, my Larry. Laura? You can't be serious. Hey. <laughs> yeah? Are you okay? I am right now, but I mean, when he pulls out that drum set, all I can think is, oh, my Larry, oh, my Larry, oh, my Larry. Oh, my God. Go again Wait. with the drums, hey. pulling them out, and uh, I can't hey. hear, hey. oh, my Excuse Larry. <laughs> what? What's my dad's name? Larry. Right? Okay, oh my Larry, what oh is Oh my wrong God! With you? What's wrong with you? Laura, you keep taking my dad's name, right? And you throw it into a sense like it's some sort of cuss word or something? God, why do you keep disrespecting my father? Well, why do you keep disrespecting my father? Busted. It's an interesting video to look at, right? I mean, it begins to put a new spin on why is God's name so important? Is it just some rule that God has given us, right? Or is there something bigger? Is there, is there some understanding of God's name that we have yet to even understand? And it becomes clear we don't understand what it is if we're just throwing it around loosely. Well, I would argue that that's the case. I mean, disrespecting her father, for some, especially those that don't have a relationship with God, that, that probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Right? But if we have a story, if we're the kind of people that show up where we can point to things that God has done in our life, if we have reasons to worship based on our history and our experience with God, then that name has value to it. There's a story attached to it, and it begins to make a difference. But like I said, for those that don't have a faith, those that don't respect God, it, they may come across, it might seem a little egocentrical of God to be able to do that. They might be saying, well, what's the issue? I mean, is God overprotective or something? Right? The issue is that God has so much more for the way that we use his name. Right? We think about these 10 commandments, we think, oh, great, here we go, 10 rules, 10 things I can't do. Right? But the reason why we can't do things is so that we can do things. It's not just a rule to restrict us, but it's a, it's a boundary set up so we can enjoy the freedom in the opposite direction. God has so much more for our name. And to understand that, we just need to dive into it this morning. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. And if you have your Bibles, it's on page 59. I want to look at this, and as we begin to think about this, I want your wheels turned on this this morning. Well, why is God's name so important? Why does it matter how we treat God's name? I mean, we know that there's a lot in a name, but God has so much more for it. And here we go, Exodus 20, uh, verse 7. Uh, we got this up on the screen. Let's read this together. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Or as I learned it in my St. Petrie Lutheran Church uh, confirmation class, class of 1997, Story City, Iowa. Woohoo! Right? This is what I learned. This is what I had to stand in front of the whole congregation and recite from memory. Whew! Talk about being nervous and sweaty. Right? I had to get up there and I had to say, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And here at Hope, we, we have this core value that we, we talk about tradition. We say we're tradition uh, where it, 
it brings people to God, we embrace it, right? We, we, we totally embrace that. Where tradition has the potential to, to bring a, mar- a barrier between uh, people and God, we, we, we push beyond that. And one of the things that we did, even in our confirmation class, it sounds silly, but I think it's huge, is we changed the language of this. We just rephrased it in a way that we knew everybody would be understand. And here's what we say. Don't mess with God's name. All right, turn the person next to you, hit them in the shoulder and say, hey, don't mess with God's name. Don't hit them too hard though, all right? Right, but that's a commandment. That's something that we can understand. Don't take it in vain. I mean, what does that even mean, right? Many people believe this is just a rule about not using God's name as a swear word and that's part of it. But again, there's a bigger invitation here and God is giving us these rules, not because he hates us or wants us not to have any fun, but because he loves us. He wants to explore this. There's so much more than that. God doesn't want us out there using his name to make him look bad, Did you know that for some people in life, you may be the only Bible that people ever read? Think about that. You might be the only sermon that is ever preached to someone you meet, right? So that you have to start asking yourself questions. What does my life say about God? What is the way that I use God's name? How does that reflect the priority that he is in my life? What does that reflect my spirit of thankfulness for what he's done for me? God doesn't want us out there changing his reputation or giving inconsistent signals about who God is, right? But we can also begin to get a better sense of this invitation that God has for us if we look at the language that's in there. And the Hebrew word that's used here for vanity, as in don't take uh, God's name in vain, the vanity there is literally translated means emptiness, emptiness. So when you combine that with the verb translated take, you end up with this forbiddance to empty God's name of value, That is to make it valueless, to make it meaningless, to make it irrelevant, something other than it is. To break this commandment is to to use God's name in a way where it doesn't reflect the value or it doesn't matter to anybody around you. And sometimes we fall into this, right? It's not that we don't like God, it's just that we forget sometimes the important things that he's done or how important, right? It's, it's one of those feelings that we lose over time and so we have to work to remember who God is and the significance of his name. And if I could just tell you the message for today from God is this, don't mess with his name. If we're messing around with it, if we're using it carelessly, then we're missing out on so much that he has for us. God's saying to us this morning, don't rob, don't rob my name of its glory, And in case you're still wondering, I just want to point out the other part of this verse. In case you're wondering if God is serious, check this out. The very next line of the command, the Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. I just want to let you know, in the Ten Commandments, there are three that pertain to our relationship with God. Of all of the ten, either three, let alone the ten, this is the only one where God doubles down on a consequence, right? Do you think God cares about this? Absolutely. Not only did it make his top 10, it made his top three when it came to the way that we spend time and view him. It's a pretty serious consequence. And you have to ask yourself, why is God so serious about it? I mean, why is this such a big deal? And I've been thinking all week about these highly theological answers, like these amazing stories that I could tell you, like why is God's name so important and what the heck do we need to learn about it as a church? And all I could think about was the world's coolest suitcase. Right? Aren't you impressed? I mean, who needs wheels when you've got a suitcase with bumper stickers all over it? Some of you are wondering, why are you holding a, bump, or a, a bumper sticker clad suitcase in front of us? It's because I, I want to talk to you about God's name. But first, I got to tell you, I got this puppy as a thank you parting going away gift 
from uh, the first church I ever worked at in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it was called Sammamish Hills. See, they even put a bumper sticker, Sammamish Hills loves Andy and Heather. Uh, I talked about this. I got to tell you, this is an amazing suitcase. You know why? Because real men love Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen, absolutely, right? They, they littered this thing, and you can tell it's from a group in Seattle because, well, first of all, they put the Seahawks on there, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't really appreciate that, but whatever, right? And then they got the Mariners on here, but they, they, you could tell this was from a group from the Pacific Northwest that was, they were, they were kind of puzzled that I was leaving, right? And you can just tell by some of the stuff that they put on here. I mean, they, and all of these have something to do with my time there. Like, the flags are the mission trips, the countries we went to for mission trips when I was, I was leading there. Right, I love this one, ignore my car, my treasure is in heaven. I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Right? But they put some stuff on here, like, like this one, for example, West Iowa, here we come, peak elevation, 100 feet. Right? You can tell that's a bunch of mountaineering Pacific Northwesterns, kind of puzzling why I'd want to go back to this, this church they'd never heard of. I'd never heard of it except for a job interview at Lutheran Church of Hope. This was seven years ago now, right? Where the heck is West Des Moines, Iowa? That's one of the bumper stickers that they put on there. But you, you got to be wondering, why am I holding a suitcase in front of you? Why would I drag you and show you all these silly bumper stickers? I mean, you should have seen the stuff they put inside of this. It's because names are like suitcases. Names are like suitcases. In fact, Names are words, and words are like suitcases. That is, inside of them, we can pack whatever we want, right? When you use a name, when I use a name, when you use a word, when I use a word, we can have the same word, that is the same suitcase, but we put different stuff in it, right? What may work for you in someone's name or what may work for me in a certain word might be different than what you have. And all of the time, we do this as as human beings. We're constantly changing what we put in the suitcase of the different words that we use. And you may be thinking, what are you talking about? Let me give you an example just so you understand. Right? You're at a job interview, someone asks you a question, and you give what you think is the world's best answer. I like this side better. This side is prettier. Right? You give the world's best answer. Or you're over at your in-law's place. Actually, they've come over to you. You're cooking them this big dinner. You put out even the fancy stuff. Right? You put chargers on the plates. Ladies, are you impressed? I know what a charger is. I'm not talking about cell phones, guys. All right? Like, you're all about it, and you have this wonderful evening. They take the first bite of the main entree that you prepared, and your mother-in-law looks at you, and she says, interesting. Right? Why is that so important? Why, are, why does that help us understand? Right? Because if you're in a job interview and, and you give what you think is your best answer and someone goes, oh, interesting, right? You want to know what they just packed into that suitcase. Was that interesting and like, uh, ooh, this is really sketchy. Why did we even get, how did this guy get this far in the hiring process? Or is it, or, you know, or is it why is he in this house with our daughter or whatever, something like that, right? Or is it interesting, like, wow, you just made me think about something that I've never even considered. I mean, your pesto pasta is so amazing, right, that I find it fascinating, right? Depending upon the experience and in those situations, we want to know what, what is being the meaning that's being packed into that suitcase, and it's no different with God's name. Right? All of us have different understandings of God's name. We have different experiences. We have different reactions. We have different meanings and, and ideas and things that we pack into this. And it's interesting how it works that as we go through this, that as all these scenarios unfold, as we all have these different understandings of God, right? as we read scripture, we begin to understand that there are some things that God wants packed into that suitcase every single day time, and we're going to talk about those together as we go through, but first, I just got to ask you this morning, 
right? When you think about what you walked in here with, with this, morning, this morning, I know you didn't actually carry a suitcase, certainly not one as cool as that, right? But you did walk in here with a conception about who God is and an appreciation or a disappreciation for his name. All of us have something packed in, a virtual suitcase. And here's my question. When you use God's name, what are you packing inside? When you use God's name, what are you packing inside? Because it turns out God has something that he wants us to pack in there, so much so that it made his top 10 list. When you use God's name, what are you packing inside? I mean, what is it that you even think of? I love my question of the day, which is when you think of God, what do you think of? Well, God, right? Like, probably not my most thought-provoking question, but there's so much more to it when we think of God that we think of as well. And here's the thing. Wherever you land on this journey, I would argue that a lot of times it's, it's the result of the experiences that we've had. If you're sitting here this morning, and it has been a long time since you felt like you've experienced God answering a prayer, or you're feeling alone, you feel like things just could not be going any worse for you right now, then you're going to have something packed in that suitcase other than the word trustworthy, right? Other than the word loving. But if you're in a good spot and you feel like God has been on the move in your heart and in your mind and, and you've seen him do cool things, your quiet times may have been really good. When you pray, you feel like he's listening. Well, then loving, excited, right? All these different things. I mean, you could put any number of words into that suitcase, but where we come and when we come, we all show up with our suitcases. But the thing is that God has something in mind. I mean, again, that's why he's very particular about how he wants us to represent his name. That's why he's a stickler about this one, is because when we think of God's name, he has something that he wants us to put in there. And as far as I can tell, there are an infinite number of things. I mean, the Bible is full of information about God. But what I kind of want to do with the rest of our time today is breeze through just three of these areas of our life, of, of God's, our understanding of God, and begin to look at that and then give you a chance to talk to God about these things and help you figure out what's in your suitcase. So, so here we go. Number one, items that I would say it's kind of like your toilet, toiletry bag, right? You always want to have this packed in your, in your suitcase, your toothbrush, your toothpaste, your soap, everything else, right? Here are some essential items for journeying with God. Number one, when you think about God's name, you got to include this idea that God is holy, right? Leviticus 11.44, he says, be holy because I am holy. God is sacred, right? And we think about that all perfect, nice, shiny, right? All conquering. But do you ever just think of God as there's no other, right? He's one of a kind. He's individual. He's not only, he's not only holy in the sense that he's perfect, but he's, he's holy in the sense that he's just, there's nobody else like him. Like you can't even put it into words. But as you begin to think about it, as you begin to experience this, you get this sense of awe and wonder and, and you begin to see that in the, the author of the scriptures as they think about this and eventually they just start, you can just tell like they're writing some of these chapters of scripture, like their pens just aren't even fast enough. Like they just can't keep up. And I think Isaiah 40 is one of these alternatives. It says, verse 12, who else held the oceans in his hand? I mean, who measured the heavens with his fingers? Right? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? I love this one. Verse 13. Who is able to give advice to God? Right? Nobody knows more than he does. Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's help? Right? That puts him in a different category than us. No, for all the nations of the world are a drop in the bucket to God. They are more than dust in the scales. And he picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. To whom can you compare God? There is no comparison. 
right? God is not normal, and so why would we treat his name as though it's normal? It's not just run-of-the-mill. You're never going to spend time with God in his fullness and not be completely transformed. I, I just want us all to be clear. If we were to be in the full presence of God right now, we would all spontaneously combust, right? There's something that happens in God's presence that we as humans are not designed or able to understand yet. Jesus is going to come back and help us with that. Right? But right now, God's holiness is too much for us. And it's clear David experienced this as well in the psalm that was read for us today. He's been spending time in God's presence, and all that he can say after all God has done for him is, Lord, our Lord, how majestic your name is. It fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. And even Moses figured this out when he met God for the first time. This is going back to Exodus 3, right? He, he sees the burning bush, and he comes to take a closer look, and, and God starts talking to him. He says, Moses, Moses. Right? Here I am, Moses replied. And he starts walking that direction and God says, don't come any closer. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. Take off your sandals because you are standing on holy ground. For I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. When was the last time you were afraid to be in God's presence because of his sheer holiness? Again, we have the, the kind of the warm, fuzzy Jesus side of this, and, and this is interesting about God's character, right? On one side, he's this holy being that we can't even be in his presence. Like, he's too intense. He's too all-conquering. It's like, I can't even come up with the words to describe it. And on the other hand, this God, right, this dangerous God over here wants a relationship with us. And so he's working out a way to make that happen. When was the last time you sat and pondered the holiness of God? You felt terrified to be in God's presence. That's part of having a relationship with God at some point. Do you relate to God like this, or is it easy for you just to treat God's name like any other word? Are you worshiping a holy God? So that's, that's one thing that we should pack in our suitcase. I think the second thing is that, yes, God's name is holy and sacred, but we also need to remember that it's rooted in story. Listen to how God introduces himself again in Exodus 3. Uh, he says, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac, God of Jacob. I mean, he could just walk up to him and say, hey, I'm God, nice to meet you, right? But he chooses to lay out this story, and that's because God has a story. Because as our, we understand his name, one of the things we pack inside of it is this story, this time after time after time, all these examples of when God has come through us. There's a reason why when God is leading Israel through the promised land, he keeps saying, remember, 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 remember. Because we need to pack God's story in there. And so when you think about God, do you remember God's story? And the third thing is not only does the story get us, not only do, does his holiness get us, but the thing that captivates us about those things is God's power. And this goes with the holiness that shows up in the story, but it's worth mentioning again. I mean, God has the power to divide the Red Sea, right? God has the power to make all things new, to raise the dead back to life, to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's because there's power in God's name. Turn the person next to you and hit him in the shoulder again. Wake him up and say, hey, did you know there's power in God's name? Just like that, do it. <laughs> I almost believe some of you. I almost believe some of you, right? But it's true, there's power in God's name and it's important that we don't let that escape. I mean, if we do, we begin to treat God's name in a way that empties the value, 
right? There's a direct connection between how we see God and the way that we use his name. And I love what Proverbs 18 says. It says, the name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. There is power in God's name. That's why we pray in Jesus' name because it brings power. And as we wrap up today, I want to give us just an opportunity, not just, not just to hear some preacher talk about God's name, but I want to give God a chance, create some space for God to speak to you. So we're going to watch this video, and it's, it's just a couple minutes long. But as, as we do this, as you, as you think about this, I want you just, just to relax. I mean, some of us come in here today, and we're exhausted, and we're stressed, and it's only Sunday morning, right? What does this week have for us? Do me a favor. Let's just all take a deep breath together. Ready? <sighs> Feels good, doesn't it? Right? Sometimes I wonder if the most important thing that we need to do isn't to study more of the Bible, but it's allow the Bible to study us. Not just to get through the book, but to allow the book to get through us, to slow down, take a deep breath, and let God's presence come into us. And so as we show you this video clip, I'd love to have you relax, be as present as you can, and answer this question. I mean, what is God saying to me about the relationship that I have with his name. Because there's no other picture, no other manifestation of the power of God's name than that which he poured into Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. That's some powerful stuff. But what does it look like for us to have God's relationship with that name? Let's take a look. And Jesus' name is exactly that. It's the name above all names. It is the name above all names, and we have many reasons to worship him. But as, as we talk about God's name, as we allow God to speak to us and remind us these things, I think it's still possible to walk out of here today and just say, God, what do you mean by all of this? Right? I mean, what does it look like to understand your name? What does it understand to come into contact with the holy God, to be in such a way, just as Moses was with the burning bush, in such a way colliding with God that you can't help but be different afterwards. And, and if that's you, if you've never had an experience like that, then that's been my prayer all day, all week as we've been thinking about this, is what does it look like not to have to obey this command because God told us we had to obey God's name and, and to respect it, but what if we lived in such a way, what if our faith was energized in such a way where God comes to us as he always does and we had this experience where, I mean, we can't help but want to worship God. Right? There's power in God's name. And, and we get up here as pastors all the time and we say, hey, you know, it's always good to be together to be the church, right? You know, even when it's freezing cold outside, like, I understand, like, it's, we got to have a really good reason to go to church on Sunday morning when it's negative 15 billion degrees outside, right? Well, here's the reason. Because when we get together, God shows up. There is power in his name. And when this happens, that name above all names changes everything. And you might be asking yourself, where did that come from? And, and last time I was up here, I talked about the Apostle Paul, and I cannot get the words out of my head that he quotes in Philippians chapter 2. It's, it's a hymn that the early church sang, and I think it gets at the heart of why do we come to worship? Why, why do we respect this God's name? Because it is worthy of praise. It is holy. It is amazing. It changes everything. And here's, here's what he says, though he was God. He's, Paul's talking about Jesus. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And in 
verse 9 begins with the word therefore. And whenever you read the Bible and you see the word therefore, you have to ask, well, what is the therefore therefore? Right? Right? Uh, my kids do that too, so don't worry about it. Right? What is the therefore therefore? Here's why. Paul has just been giving reasons to worship. Now he's about to get into it. Right? The fullness of the worship. He says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I know it's so easy when we look at the Ten Commandments just to think about here's another rule that we have to follow and I just want you to know that it, the opposite could not be more true, right? God needs our obedience and he needs us to be holy, but it's because he's got this bigger picture for us of a relationship with him because God loves us because he wants the best for us. He wants us to experience his amazing holiness and this is just a natural byproduct of it. As we worship today, as we close this service, I can think of no better way than to stand and to worship God. And so if you would, would you stand with me? This name, we're not kidding. We could go around the circle in this church and share story after story of how God's name has healed people. It's changed lives. And, and so if that's you, you can, you can sing your heart out today. But if you need prayer, that's available after this service as well. Our prayer partners are going to be up front. Every, don't, have, don't worry, people aren't going to look at you. They're all going to be after the donut holes after the service anyway. Everybody's going to head back that way. If that's you, if you just need a glimpse of God's glory today, then let's pray about it. Let's see what God has. And let's sing our hearts out as we sing to God about His name, Your name.